Sorry, can't say. What's that word you use? Spoilers. I like that word. Hello and welcome to Spoiler Nation, the podcast where we have spoiler-filled discussions on your favorite and some of your not-so-favorites movies and TV shows. My name is Howie and I'm the senior editor at IsolatedNation.com and joining me is my tethered self. (laughs) But it sounded like you were uh, puking. Oh, I was trying to do Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke. Varying success on yeah. that one. Imagine their terrible that a... conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Just awful to hear. Imagine being a kid and listening to those two talk while you're underground. I feel like they don't talk. They're probably not. Yeah. yeah. And of course, Reese is a film writer at isolatednation.com and other various websites. Hi, Amy. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> this episode of the podcast, we are talking, of course, about Jordan Peele's uh latest cake yeah his follow-up to the oscar winning in parentheses best screenplay yeah debut get out yeah hell of a movie i don't we've talked about it before on some previous episode but uh you and i pretty much agree we really like that movie right yeah yeah Yeah. i'm not even like much of a horror movie guy but um yeah i would that's one of the few horror movies i would like rewatch anytime like it's it's so fun it's such a well-oiled machine and it's, a, it's an amazing debut. I mean, Jordan Peele is obviously pretty established from the Key and Peele. Key and Peele uh, comedy, I, yeah. sketch sketch comedy show. Yeah, I, I don't really know much about it because I don't watch uh, much sketch comedy. So I had no kind of expectation for Get Out. And so I was, I was blown away by what I saw. But that's not the case for this because now, you know, we had giant we know Yeah, so we know what he's capable of. Yeah. It's really hard to follow up a, ma- a masterpiece, unless yeah. you're, you know, Francis Ford Coppola. But um, yes, true. <laughs> generally, the sophomore slump mm-hmm. is a concept for a reason, right? Because yeah. the idea is people spend a lot of time and effort to create this masterpiece, whether if it's an, a, you know, a music album or a record or a film or a book, they spend all their energy and time into developing this great uh, piece. And then the sequel or the follow-up, they have very limited time. Yeah, it's a limited time and like 10 times the amount of pressure to deliver something as good. And expectations. And he's a writer and a director. You know, he's doing... Yeah, double duty. Double duty. Which, you know, I don't envy his position, even though I'm sure he has a lot of clout to do what he wants, yeah. especially with this film, it seemed like they let him do what he, he liked. Because yeah. whether, um, you know, we'll get into it obviously, but whether you like or hate or are indifferent to this movie, you do get the sense that it's, you know, one person's ideas and their style on screen. Like it doesn't feel like it's produced by a committee or anything like that. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty cool to see like an artist completely do their own thing. Yeah, it has that, you know, auteur vision vibe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, You can even, you could, I could even tell from the trailer, like I'd only seen Get Out, obviously, because that's all he made, but I could, I could feel that's, that was him, you know, I could feel his identity yeah. through the screen. Yeah. And um, so, well, let's get into our overall thoughts, just, you know, surface level thoughts on us. What are you people? It's us. They look exactly like us. They think like us. 
They know where we are. We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us. Or we kill them. Yes. You go first. I have mixed feelings about this because yeah. um, I don't know how to how to say it. it's kind of like eating a, a, a really a sugary bowl of cereal. Uh-huh. I love eating it at the time, yeah. and I get high on the sugar. Yeah. But then right after eating it, I think about all the sugar I've eaten, mm-hmm. and I'm just a little bit disappointed. Do you feel a sense of the pleasure evaporating? <laughs> yeah. In a way? Yeah, in a way. And, <laughs> and it's kind of like I enjoyed the ride, but then the more I think back to it, uh, it's kind of like diminishing returns. Yeah, I, um, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and you know, the more kind of disappointed I feel about the ideas or how this movie chooses to present its ideas and themes on screen. Yeah, just to add to that, because I, I pretty much agree with what you're saying. To me, the film is not just an incomplete thought, it's several incomplete thoughts. Right. And um, it doesn't congeal in like a satisfying way like Get Out did for me. I'm not comparing it to Get Out in any other way but that, because Get Out really is like a complete thought. Yes. You get the sense it is. Yeah. And this is just several kinds of ideas that start out very interesting and in the second half particularly those ideas don't seem to really go anywhere um they seem to be abandoned for plot like superficial kind of plot twists and if i was to rewatch the film i feel like i would feel more negative towards it because i feel like the twist didn't really uh, it's in, enlighten me on anything. Yeah, so it's know? kind of like the twist for twist's sake, it, it's, right? That's what it felt like. Yeah, yeah. and I, I was misdirected because when, we're gonna we're gonna get into this obviously, but throughout the film, you think Lupita Nyong'o is going one way, but it turns out she was a certain way all along. So what you thought kind of doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. I'm being vague, but <laughs> we'll get into it. We'll, we'll definitely get into it. And I know what you mean. I think it feels like it feels like Jordan Peele wants us to feel like we've witnessed a wonderful magic trick. Yeah. When really he's just lied to us. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's really that's what it feels yeah, like. Yeah, I never know? felt like it was one of those twists that was like, oh, it was hiding in plain sight. Yeah, it just yeah. felt like, wait a minute, you're just contradicting shit. Like it just felt like a total contradiction of what I saw. Yeah, it, it pains me to say it, but it feels cheap almost. Yeah, it does feel cheap, um, especially when you you know you can't help it. You we we can't not talk about get out in this context yeah, where, because it's a uh, plays in a similar sandbox he's trafficking in similar ideas yeah. of like body invasion yes and stuff like that yeah and, and horror and comedy when the twists are revealed and the movie ends you feel like you have the rug pulled out from under you but in the best way possible yeah and and you feel like that is now that is a cohesive movie with a, a clear understanding of what it wants to convey to its audience yeah. um whereas uh, in us uh, it's not like i need movies to have one uh you know message or yeah, an idea yeah, i don't really sure. need it yeah but this movie wants to have something to say it's it's it's, it's ambitious yeah, so it, you're meeting it on those terms it very it very clearly has you know announces it announces its through line yeah very clearly but it doesn't actually 
pay it off or the, the kind of convoluted plot points that it introduces, um, you know, towards the end of the film really muddies the the uh, pr- supposed idea that the film is trying to present to us. Yeah, and I feel like to kind of seem like I'm contradicting myself, but I'm not really... This does feel like a film that was engineered to get people talking to each other about it. Yeah. To be like, well, what did you think of, you know, that? What do you think the significance of the rabbits were? Or what is, why are they wearing red, do you think? It makes very, like, deliberate choices that invite discussion. Yeah, and and repeat watching. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of um, the ending of Inception. Yeah. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio turns his... uh, token yeah and you don't quite and see whether it finishes yeah, or not and then from but from that scene alone that generated discussions and yeah. wild theories where you know at the end of the day it's probably just a cool gimmick that the director added at the end of the film yeah and the the idea is um he's with his family that's the that's the ultimate catharsis yes. of the movie is that it doesn't matter if it's a dream or it's not real we're invested in him seeing his kids again yeah and he, he does, whether yeah. it is a dream or whether it, it's, you know, not a dream. But um, the the twist here doesn't feel cathartic. I don't know. No. I'm, I'm not trying to compare it, but it it just doesn't feel cathartic. Yeah, I think uh, the the mechanics of that final, what, what do you call it, like cold closing yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it works differently because it ties directly into how we understand this character. Yeah. But it just ends yeah. This movie executed this ending in a different way. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just the way that it's done. It feels almost like it feels almost haphazard. Yeah. It feels like someone um, writing a thesis and then uh, trying to wrap it up. Um, they the ran day, out of time. Yeah, they ran <laughs> yeah. out of time. Like the deadline's tomorrow. Yeah. I have to submit my, submit my assignment tomorrow. So yeah. I just scribble something down in the conclusion and submit it and and this it almost feels like that it does yeah even though like because the filmmaking in the film is like it's there's he conjures up such wonderful kind of images yes that um the very last image is very impactful as you're watching it and like in the moment i I was like caught up in that image Mm -hmm. but then you try and like decipher it and like what does it mean and it, it feels like it just leads to dead ends yeah I, I don't know if that's just a failing on my part to analyze it or the film is sort of incoherent but um yeah i guess we'll get we'll get into some specifics yeah now. let's let's dive dive deep into the film and, yeah. and talk about you know the sequence of events and trying to piece it together yeah yeah you we'll know see scene what, by scene see I, what we come up with. Uh, let's start with the the opening sequence, right? Yeah, Which great opening scene. Amazing. Yeah. We started, I think, with complaints for the movie, but... <laughs> we got to get into good stuff, I too. think visually with us, it really showcases or illustrates that uh, Jordan Peele has really elevated his visual storytelling capabilities as a, yeah. as a visual uh, director. Yeah. In the sense that every set piece is so filled with tension yeah. and so well crafted and put together that it evokes a certain emotion out of you, right? Yeah. And, and that's why I don't see the uh, uh, flaws initially. Yeah, yeah. That's why you're so caught up in it. Yeah. Because you're too caught up in the craft. Yeah, the craft is definitely there. Yeah, for sure. And, why and, we don't hate this movie, I think. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and the craft is definitely evident in this opening sequence. Yeah, 
with the little um, little Adelaide, our main character, yeah. little Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah, so we get this scene where she's in this uh, kind of fun fair on the beach mm-hmm. um, and uh, you kind of, there's all, already the sense of dread because yeah. you're like, you know, a kid and her, her parents are arguing Yeah, and uh, you know something is going to happen. And the shot is um, almost entirely framed through her eye level. So yes. you feel like a little kid in this, it seems kind of like fun, but it's kind of hostile at the same time. Like before she even encounters anything creepy, which she does very soon, you're already sort of like with her yeah. and thinking, oh my, like, it, you know, on your guard, <laughs> so to speak. And um, I, uh, she wins with a clown thing. She like wins a prize very first scene that's right um yeah and she wins a t-shirt yeah uh, a, a michael jackson thriller t-shirt now i gotta say something about this because um this film is set in, that's this part is set in like the 80s right obviously yes. M- michael jackson was the biggest thing in the world in the 80 like 80s probably right and i i don't think it's just like a, a bit of texture to show you that it's the 80s i think that they chose michael jackson specifically immediately sets up the duality theme in the film uh-huh. in a kind of even in an unconscious way surely surely yeah. not i i think so i think he'd put they'd put that much thought into it because it makes sense to me because michael jackson was like the biggest entertainer in the world like kids loved him but especially with shit that's coming to light now and in the documentary also innuendo that's been going on for like decades yeah He's done some horrible things to children, um, you know, allegedly. Allegedly. But, you know, that's there, there's where they smoke this fire, in my opinion, kind of thing. So even if it's not true or it's not true whether he did that shit, he has this duality where it's like he's this bright light and this almost demonic yes. shadow. Yeah, so he has, he has the outward persona yeah. and then he has the shadow self yeah i mean it's in the thriller t-shirt he looks like a demon yeah it's michael jackson as a demon yeah so before she sees there's doppelgangers or any of that shit you're it's in your brain yeah on some level in that subconscious level yeah Yeah. and i thought that was like kind of uh brilliant that the film just left it at that that's a recurring image the michael jackson t-shirt yeah but um i thought that was that was a really neat touch anyway she leaves the fair or she gets lost or something right uh, yeah, so um, this is I, I hate these moments uh, usually, but there's something uh, something very absorbing about the way uh, 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 I guess um, the girl is framed. Where you know it it, it it really annoys me in horror movies where kids go out on their own. Yeah, I cliche, hate that. Trope, man. Yeah, it I is. hate that so much. Yeah. But for this case, when the girl, you know, the dad is too busy playing. Uh, some game yeah. and she just walks out yeah. into out of the fair yeah um i wasn't angry because you feel the way that the i, I don't know the way that um the the camera like uh, kind of zooms in around her zooms into her makes it feel like there is something calling her yeah it makes it feels like you know something outside is calling out to her yeah. instead of you know it's her just walking uh, randomly. Yeah, 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 because she's a bratty kid yeah. who doesn't know any better. And uh, she goes into this uh, funhouse mirror with the 
it has a little label on it beneath that says find yourself you know it's very very yeah. cute <laughs> that, that one's like self-explanatory yeah. obviously so she goes in a, it's like this uh, hall of mirrors things right yes and uh she thinks she's seeing her reflection but she's not seeing a reflection she's literally seems to see herself yeah in that, a, all three dimensions yeah that was a a kind of an eerie um uh haunting image where um you you see her turn around and you see the back of her head yeah. but the re- supposed reflection doesn't turn around so you see yeah, that double back of her head and then you see like her look of horror horror on her face this girl has a great yeah. like kind of they, they, she has great facial expressions i think what really helped was the blue light and the shadow as well on her face yeah it really like enunciated what, what like her primordial terror mm-hmm. and um you know so we're scared along right with her then as well and then um you know a pair of like hands grasp her throat next scene you see her seeming to run out yeah. of the hall of mirrors and it, it traumatized her right like she's not talking to her parents well, well okay yeah. little uh, obviously okay yeah. so let's talk about um the reveal oh, right okay. yeah, yeah yeah because um we think that she that's how it's edited like you think she escapes yeah. Yeah. yeah so so we think that okay it spooked her whatever was there and she she escapes goes back to her parents is traumatized and has to go like through years of therapy and self-expression yeah. to find herself again. Yeah, and even as an adult, she seems skittish. But, yeah, but but um, so the reveal. Uh, uh, th- this is the twist that we're talking about. Yeah, which is um, what actually happened was her tethered uh, version mm-hmm. um, uh, called Red. Yes. Uh, I guess sees this as an opportunity to switch places with her. Yes. Right. Um, and then, uh, so she chokes her till she faints mm-hmm. and puts her, uh, you know, brings her down below mm-hmm. where the tethered uh, yeah. versions of the original people, people yeah. live. Yeah, they're all underground like Morlocks. Yes, kind of and, and they are doomed to repeat in some way the movements or the activities of the people who live in the surface. Yeah, it's literally um, shown that they're repeating their movements like mindless puppets. Yes. Um, so they they don't have they don't seem to have free will. Yes. By what we can see. Yeah. The so red cuffs. Actually, it's not red. Oh, okay. This is confusing. I think it's the other way around. Um, yes. Yeah, so tethered Adelaide. Yeah. Cuffs the real Adelaide yeah. to a bed in you know down below. Yeah. And then goes out and she is the one that we see running out of the hall of mirrors back to her parents and uh it's it's it's, uh, therefore she can't speak because she never learned how she never learned how it's not because she's traumatized yes yeah and um they basically she basically learns she gets integrated into society yeah yeah okay i hate to talk about plot holes in films that are meant to be kind of metaphorical in some ways. Especially but with horror, which, you know, you figure follows more like dream nightmare logic. Yes. But this film... But this film gives us t- uh, enough details. This film is kind of daring us to um, to piece it, piece it apart. Yeah, it you is. You know, it's not, this film isn't... This isn't Suspiria. 
No. You know, it's it's not a hereditary. Yeah. It, it doesn't say, you know, hey, this is a metaphor, go yeah. with it. It's not a tone poem. Yeah. It's like it, it actually pretty grounded it, yeah. a lot of the time. It invites you to theorize. It yeah. invites you to look into the details and discover more. It's set in like a, a real world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why I feel comfortable talking about the plot holes. And mm. I feel that it's actually necessary to yeah. kind of cr- analyze and criticize these plot holes a yeah. little bit yeah yeah because okay plot hole number one if the uh, tethered versions are doomed to repeat uh, what their originals do how did she break why, the program how did she get that agency yeah. Yeah. How did to she, yeah. switch how would she even have that thought to leave yeah they don't have thoughts they don't they're mindless monsters in no part of the movie where they really pinpoint to us why Adelaide and her tethered self is special yeah. Is it because that they met each other? Yeah. Is, is that, that what is that breaks? All it takes? I I don't yeah. know. It doesn't. You don't know. Yeah. I want to talk about this because it requires five leaps uh, or like five <laughs> levels of suspension of disbelief because that is just leap one. Okay, that's hoop one. And you know what? Fine. Yeah. She somehow has agency. Okay. Yeah. So she. Brings original Adelaide into the <laughs> into the sewers. Yeah. Ties her to the cuffs her to the bunk. Plot hole number two. Who uncuffed her? Yeah. Plot hole number three. Once she is uncuffed, why didn't she leave the sewer? Yeah. Why would she be interested in like leading this revolution of getting all the tethered out? And why is she now tethered? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't understand why she didn't leave. That's what I was thinking. This, yeah, and and this is the problem because not only is she, so you want me to buy two different things. Yeah. You want me to buy that she is now the tethered version of Adelaide yeah. because the the tethered one has now replaced her as the original copy. Yeah. So she's doomed to repeat her steps. And yet, you also want me to believe that she breaks free from the tetheredness and organizes a, a, a campaign. See, that's the thing. I, I could um, buy all that if this film was steeped in like a weird mysticism. But yeah. the tethered are explained as being government experiments, you know, which is like a pretty – as far as fantasy horror movies go, that's like a pretty – logical kind of thing yeah their experiments so what kind of thing is compelling her to take on the like similar kind of disposition as these experiments when she's not actually an experiment she's a real person yeah it's odd we don't need the details they, that's yeah, the they, thing that's why they give us the details if they there is this um reveal scene towards the end of the movie where um original slash tethered adelaide uh, red. Yes. She literally just explains what the experiment was, how it failed, and and how it all happened. If she would have just said, "We don't know how it happened, but it started happening," I would that, not ask that, any that's questions. That's more than fine. Like mystery is good. <laughs> but because they introduced that explanation, yeah. that that layer of complexity, it actually kind of creates more problems and breaks yeah. the suspension of disbelief that they want us to have for this movie. And I'm not I'm not sure what the idea of 
it being a government experiment adds to the movie. Like, what's the net positive of introducing that idea? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what is, I literally don't know what it does. It also sounds like a dumb idea to begin with. Why would you want to replicate every single person yeah. in America? I'm sure there was, there was some, like, one line explanation for it but it's like it clearly didn't work at some right level. so why didn't, why didn't they just dispose of them like why did they leave them there you know yeah i i mean the idea itself is very interesting it because is, yeah. uh you know the idea is they want to um basically create a voodoo for each a voodoo doll for each person right they yeah. want to influence people up uh, up in the world yeah by influencing the people down below mm-hmm. but somehow it, it didn't work and then now they're just tethered for no reason, and the the people on top are on the driver's seat. Yeah, because um they explain that when um Lapita, I mean the evil tethered seemingly invades yeah. her home and says, you know, every Christmas present you got, I got glass that cut my hand. You know, you had a family you wanted, and I got a family I didn't want. So there's this idea of uh, light producing shadow. You know, that's yeah. the basic kind of idea of what she's getting at. Yeah. And um, where was I going with this thought? I don't know. I was going somewhere very specific. With it. <laughs> okay. So that's that's kind of the idea. It's trafficking in it. It's like light and shadow. Yeah. Then it gets more into, oh, no, they're just uh, a government experiments that are around for some reason. And their ultimate thing seemed to be to reenact Hands Across America. Yes. Where they all hold hands for this unbroken, you know, long chain of people. Yes. Um, and Hands Across America, I did a bit of looking up on it just yeah. to see, um, you know, what, what, how did it relate to this movie? And it was a initiative taken in like 1986. And it was like an effort for people to like join hands, like, you know, it's like a flash mob type thing. But you Yeah, join hands it's kind of like we're all connected. Yeah, I guess that's the idea. And um, the idea was to raise uh, money for homelessness and poverty and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there was a bit of controversy because it raised like $36 million. And only half of that money actually went to the charities in question. Mm, and I see. People were kind of pissed off. Like, what happened to the rest of the money? And yeah. I couldn't. No one really knows what happened to that money. Really? Yeah. To say. So the the entire point was that um it was kind of like this empty spectacle ultimately, and it it look if you have that in mind and you're watching the movie it's almost like the tethered are like mocking that spectacle, of like you know unity but they're you know they're Morlocks they're they're abandoned so right. I guess there's people have talked about us as having you know the tethered are like. The marginalized and the ignored and the oppressed yeah. and the, the people living on top of the privilege. But I can't buy into that uh, metaphor at all because the failed experiments are like mindless beasts. That's, so that's the thing, right? Yeah. Because I, I, I hope that that's not what this movie is trying to say. Yeah. Because of what you said, which is the people who are – the tethered people are – evil they're fucking all they want to do is kill and um but i think it really is going for that metaphor because what lupita's tethered is essentially explaining to her in that monologue is every good thing that happened to you cost me like pain caused me pain yes so i think it is trafficking in that idea of privileged and oppressed like you have privilege because and that makes me oppressed i think it really is 
I don't know. I think it is going for that ideal, but my, it, it's kind yeah. of clumsy. My my issue with that that as a metaphor, uh, it reminds me of what J.K. Rowling did with in the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. So Professor Lupin is a werewolf, but okay. she, yeah. according to her, it's a metaphor for AIDS. Mm-hmm. But that metaphor doesn't quite work because when he's a werewolf, he he's no a danger yeah. to humanity. And he has no he's control. A, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. He's, and he's a danger to people around him. Yeah. And that's the misconception of AIDS. Yeah. You know, that uh, that stigma, that yeah. kind of unfair stigma of you're a monster because you have yeah. this. So by using a metaphor of a person that becomes a monster as a metaphor for AIDS yeah. is clumsy. I mean, I don't want to just put this problem on us because it's not the only offender. Like, no. obviously, there's Harry Potter and there's also X-Men, like people considering mutants to be like a gay allegory. Right. And it's like, well, there are mutants who, who could like detonate a, a nuclear-sized blast like accidentally. Like, how could that be comparable to gay people who aren't hurting any... Like, it's kind of falls apart on that level. And so, like, those one-to-one kind of metaphors, you know, they often kind of fall apart. But right. in this movie which seems to be operating at more of like an intellectual level yeah it's i don't know it's just rankles a bit more yeah our expectations especially coming off of get out yeah which had like a unique idea of like black bodies being used by like seemingly like white liberals kind yeah, of thing it was yeah. it, it was very it was a very clever original thing and this just seems like like lazy uh, like yeah. cliche a bit i don't know if that if that is indeed if i if we're reading it white and it is the privileged and the oppressed kind of dichotomy at play that doesn't doesn't work they're beasts yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work okay so i have another uh, an alternate metaphor or theory that makes this work for me okay yeah on a story it. level yeah. um in psychology um carl jung oh um, yeah of course you know has that whole um theory shadow about cells. shadow cells yes right yeah um uh, and you know it's between it's kind of uh, being a human or being individualized or finding that balance is finding that balance between our persona which is what we present to others and our shadow selves which is the things ab- the, about ourselves that we are ashamed of uh, that we hide and the more and we forget about is, is the idea there like the more we ignore that the stronger it gets yeah and, yeah. and the more it takes hold in our yeah. subconscious yeah the more we lose control of it yeah and, and you know the more it has control of us essentially and yeah. i think um if i kind of anal- put this on that lens in in terms of us being a metaphor for um from jordan peele's perspective america uh, you know essentially compartmentalizes the bad things that mm-hmm. it it's done as a society yeah doesn't actually fade it away it, no. it lives somewhere else yeah waiting to come up again and once it does it breaks. times yeah yeah you know so yeah. it's more about finding that balance is being honest with that shadow self yeah i mean i i actually uh kind of put that idea in my review actually you did I, yeah yeah I, I did think about that but the reason i haven't um ultimately reached that conclusion is that the film reaches no other conclusion with it, I don't think. I mean, the ultimate kind of idea is to make some kind of peace or understanding with the shadow self. And I know that's kind of a traditional sort of way to deal with that story. But the fact that the note ends on these uh, beings kind of uh, seeming to rise up and staying there. Yeah. 
I don't know. It just, it just feels a bit nihilistic to me. Like it, it yeah. In it, a weird way, it feels. That's what I mean by like an incomplete thought. Like now what? I, I agree, and yeah. I think um, you know. I guess if you kind of push it even even further, it's you can explain it away as you can't ignore it. Inevitably, it will bubble up to the surface. Yeah. And and when it does, not in the way that you embrace mm-hmm. or uh, that goes against your intent. Yeah. It comes out in the most destructive and violent way possible. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's a. Uh, it's another. That's another reason because it's it's an idea in the film for sure, mm-hmm. and it's another reason why I kind of hate the twist because I feel like the twist gets away from that idea yeah. and it just becomes <laughs> oh she was really intended the yeah. whole time. <laughs> like yes. So at the end of the film, mm-hmm. Lupita Nyong'o uh, as uh, who we thought the original Adelaide yeah. is in the car and she's driving. Yeah. And she suddenly remembers that yeah. she's evil yeah and but when you cut to it cut to the scenes you know the reveal that she choked the the real adelaide yeah um her face is evil like she's yeah. grinning yeah and i didn't like that implication because you know they're mindless yeah right they're yeah. not evil yeah I understand the entertainment value That's of yeah, of, of that is. scene of how of making her look like that because it is, it's scary. Yeah, because you're smiles. like, oh shit, yeah. That's so creepy. Yeah, but um, it's ultimately tragic. Yeah, you know because she's the protagonist. Yeah, she's the I person yeah. we're following. Yeah, yeah. it just dis- completely disintegrates our protagonist in front of our eyes to the extent where I felt, oh, I don't trust her. Yeah. And and then she gives that smile to his son. I I don't think the intent of the movie is to make us lose sympathy for this character. Yeah, it's not, which makes it weirder. Yeah, because by making her evil in the first place really destroys your metaphor, I think. It muddies the metaphor big time. Like, and it... It really distracts from it because you're just thinking of the superficial kind of plot twist instead of like the larger idea at play. Yeah. If it almost it, I don't know if you know. There's no way to know if this is true, but it almost feels like Jordan Peele didn't have enough confidence to play out that metaphor, but thinks I need to add something to this. Yeah. Yeah. It. It, it's strange because this movie is more um, unsubtle in what it's trying to say. Yeah, I- sure. Ironically. It is, yeah. Um, because uh, they really tell the audience the ideas, you know. Um, for example, when um, they... F- we haven't even talked about like the main set piece of the film, which is the family, the shadow family, uh, invades their home. Yeah. Right? You know, they sit around the living room, and I think Winston Duke's uh, character, the dad, yeah. asks the Shadow family, yeah. Who are you? Yeah. And um, Red, Lupita Nyongo, as Red, just smiles and goes, We're yeah. Americans. Yeah, exactly. And fun. Yeah. That, that was funny. And, you know, obviously that's on the movie's mind. Yeah. In terms of what it's trying to uh, comment on. But a little on the nose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't uh, mind that too much because there is a real expression. Um, I don't, I don't know if you've heard it. You probably have heard it before. But it's, it's like there are two Americas. No. Yeah, essentially, um, because America, it's like the richest country in the world, right? Yes. They have, they have this massive amount of power, and they have like the power to be like the most prosperous nation with all their wealth and everything like that. 
but there are large portions of it where it's just so much like poverty and people you know can't make a living wage you know they have the healthcare problems so it's almost like a a dual thing there as well right right and you know i I could see that in the context of that scene i could kind of see what he was going for there i didn't mind i I didn't i didn't too mind the unsubtlety of it i mean i think because i thought oh you know yeah sure i I could (laughs) it doesn't bother me as much i don't think a, a, a film always has to um, less than unsubtle the, or something I, like I, that. I agree. Yeah. I, I think it just feels um, weird in this specific case because it doesn't actually pay off fully the outright themes that it announces. Well, that's very true. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's we, we, that's what I mean. It's yeah. kind of like, we're about this. Yeah. But then, no, they're not. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. I agree with that. That's why that um home invasion scene really works just mainly in isolation. I think the first half of the movie is really excellent. It's so well executed. The the thrills were in abundance. I loved watching this with an audience because... Mm, they were quite reactive, weren't they? They were, but yeah. not in a way that you expect because there's just this collective sigh. Yeah. That, oh shit, sigh, where things are about... We know things are about to get worse. It's almost like this groan of dread. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the sound. And I really, I really like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a credit to uh, Jordan Peele's kind of visual storytelling capabilities to evoke kind of those feelings inside of us. Yeah, and um, the first, and not coincidentally, the first half of the movie is like the most intimate uh, bit of the movie. Mm-hmm. You're just with this family and you're getting very familiar with their dynamics and, you know, their, their white friends who are like, it's almost like keeping up with the Joneses. Like, yeah. oh, they've got a better house and a better boat. Yeah. And it feels, it feels kind of relatable. And, yes. Uh, the the doppelgangers work on strictly the dream nightmare level it's really after the home invasion scene where in my opinion that's where the film reaches its complete peak that's when they turn on the tv and they see that this shit is happening everywhere in america yes that's when shit kind of starts to go sideways i agree i agree yeah once they go wide yeah is when it starts falling apart because uh, a movie like this, I think, has to work as a chamber piece. You yeah. know, it has to work as kind of a claustrophobic. We can see the Hands Across America thing at the end. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it would but, still work. Yeah, it would still work, but um, that's when the movie starts to have a lot on its mind. Especially, um, there's a big exposition dump where. Red's doppelganger sort of explains the whole tethered concept. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember the feeling I had when I was watching it. And I was like, wow, this is like a whole movie's worth of world building kind of in one info dump Yeah. by someone with a voice who's hard to make out. Like it, it's such a bizarre choice to give her that dialogue because, you know, it's, it works when she's like saying weird pithy lines yes because it's eerie but when she's explaining like information you're meant to follow it's it gets kind of annoying i don't know it's like what the hell is she saying so okay when that reveal happens so she explains government experiment that went wrong what you do up there we do down the here yeah etc etc what changed was us when it was happening i loved the reveal okay the reveal really moved me in Mm -hmm. in in a strange way not because of what she was saying but because of how that was affecting um who we thought was the original adelaide 
Yeah. Um, you know, how she's understanding what she saw as when she was a little girl, how she understood, you know, um, that her feelings were almost justified, that there is the evil version of her out there that was trying to get her. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's it's very riveting mm-hmm. because of how, you know, uh, because of Lupita Nyong'o's amazing performance. Oh, yeah. It is amazing dual performance yeah, yeah. in this film. But then... You know, after the movie, after the reveal that she is the tethered one to begin with, you you know, you go, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why is she explaining this to you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And how, why is she explaining it in a way that suggests that she's been there this whole time? Yeah, yeah. How does she know? Yeah, yeah. She doesn't know. Yeah. No one else in that chamber no one else in tethered world can speak yeah um so i look okay she's intelligent enough to put it together but why does she deliver her monologue in this way other than she's trying to trick the audience that's all it felt like it was there for yeah because uh, imagine you were switched yeah okay for some reason, let's say there's this invisible force that keeps you from leaving the sewer, yeah. which that's okay. That's what I'll have to accept at this point. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> and, and and imagine that, okay, the invisible force only breaks when, let's say, the real Adelaide is near. Yeah. Okay, I'm doing these mind leaps to, to make this movie work. <laughs> is this how you meet the person who stole your life? <laughs> I mean, it, it makes noise. Her reaction to Adelaide, so Red's reaction to Adelaide, the woman who stole her life, yeah. is nonsensical. Especially when, because her weirdness doesn't make sense anymore. Because she was like a just, just a person. Like, why wouldn't she be like, "You stole my life"? Like, why? Yeah, that's how that's how she would be acting. Like, I can't look past that. You yeah. know, it. I'm just so now. If I rewatch it with this in mind, it's almost going to be her scenes will be comical, like yeah. nearly because I'm like. Why is she acting like that? Like, there's no reason for her to be like this. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Th- that's the thing. And and he- here's another thing. If if she doesn't actually explain it in that kind of detail in her reveal, this wouldn't have been a problem. Yeah, that's what, yeah, exactly. But because she says, delivers that monologue and delivers that information in that way, it, it, it makes you question the fabric of... Of this movie and the the kind of authenticity of these characters, and I've I've heard because I've done some reading about this movie online, and you know as everyone would I guess yeah, after watching yeah. this, and some people were defending that saying, well I think she was lying, and I'm like, how can I accept that? Like what what is the sign that she was lying about? That? Why why, why would she lie? Why would she lie exactly? Like why would she lie about that? What what does she get out of lying about that? I what's the motivation it still doesn't make any goddamn sense so what i'm saying is like even people are kind of defending it are making it more confusing (laughs) for me yeah it's um i I, i'm i'm just baffled by um uh because it because it's there's a really good movie in here oh fuck yeah there is a five star movie in this movie yeah but it's just like a three i would give it Purely on the craft enjoyment, I'd still give it like a six or a three. Okay, out of 10. three, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? Three out of ten, the, three the out of five. Cra- yeah, so the the 
it's I think it's a salt. It's a B, right? Yeah, for sure. Because even during the really like shittily written parts like that bit, yeah, I'm still kind of enthralled by what's happening just yes. purely on the music and the acting and all that stuff. I think it's a well, definitely a really well-directed movie, but I think a poorly written movie. Do you think... Just, Which is yeah. shocking given that he won yeah. the best screenplay. Do you, yeah. do you think the next thing he does, he would have help writing it or do you reckon he will write it himself? I'm very curious just, to yeah. watch this twi- the new Twilight Zone. Because uh, is he writing it or just hosting it like the Rod? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's writing it or if he's just the Rod Serling Oh, uh, okay. He might be writing it. I, don't I know. think he is. Or I think, well, he's definitely involved in yeah. it. It's his show. Yeah, for sure. So He's um, the exec producer. Yeah, of it. but, you know, TV isn't, well, for the most part, part TV is a more collaborative medium than yeah, a, exactly. a movie film is. Especially like this kind of film. Yeah. So there's this theory um, that I want to run by you, mm-hmm. which... If I'm thinking about it, it makes more sense than the mom being... I mean, it's more congruent to me yeah. than Lupita Nyong'o being tethered this whole time. Yeah. Uh, which is the theory that the boy, mm-hmm. her son, was also at one point switched with the tethered yeah. version. So, you know, some... You mean early in the movie? Early, uh, so not early in the movie, but even a the year before. Oh, okay. So or or this... a few years before. Yeah, because I'm actually wondering why the his tethered is a perfect mirror image, of, like just what he does. He yeah. makes what he does. That's how he kills him, right? Yeah. Like he backs away and he back, his tethered backs into the fiery car. That's right. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll talk through the little um, kind of hints that... Mm-hmm this theory suggests is, yep. is evidence yep. of, of this. Yeah. So um, obviously we see when they, they're at the house and they have lunch, um, you know, they're, they're eating chicken Yes. or something. I think they're eating like some kind of meat. Yeah. So the mom, so that's all, all that's, I, I guess one of the key instances of the movie signaling. Foreshadowing to you. she's a tethered. Yeah, yeah. So she eats a strawberry. Yeah. But they eat rabbits. Yeah, because yeah. they they only eat rabbits yeah. in um uh in the tethered world. Yeah. So uh, you can imagine that she does she wants to get as far away from that as possible. Well, she's literally running from that the whole time. Yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, so she she only eats like not meat, I guess. Yeah, and um and the boy is hesitant with eating the meat. And, yep. and the mom has to say, "Look, you're eating it this time. You know, you have to eat oh, this time." And and I forgot about this. Yeah. And there are those little details in there that makes me think it's not. Uh, it cannot be an accident. You know, why yeah. are those uh, he, details? Yeah, there? he doesn't do shit by accident. Be- and there's also mention of how he's changed since um, his grandmother died. Oh, okay. Which echoes um, uh, Adelaide's change after yeah. the Hall of Mirrors. Yeah. And there is also a pivotal scene in the beginning. The uh, f- what's that song? I got five on it. Um, they were listening to this song on the in the car. Yes, I remember that. And the mom, if you can remember, the mm-hmm. mom, uh, they all you know bob their heads to it, and the mom tries to get the boy to feel the rhythm. That's true. She's almost like being like, come on, be normal. Yeah. Like, she's almost teaching him like, hey, get, get yeah. in rhythm. Yeah. I don't know point. if at that point she knew mm-hmm. that he is a tethered. I mean, according to this theory. Yeah. But the fact that he doesn't have rhythm because, uh, well, that's 
probably not a thing that a tethered thing has. Uh, they, a tethered they person have no has. no concept of There's no music. Yeah, right? there's no music. So that is also um, uh, another hint. And that ties directly to the scene you mentioned where the boy walks backwards. Yeah. And then... Um, and how that scene started is um, Adelaide, yeah, Adelaide gets out of the car yeah. and, uh, you know, to finish off the, the evil boy, right? Yes. The evil version of the boy. Yeah. And um, she stops yeah. because the boy was clicking yeah. in rhythm. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the theory. Okay, that's, so, so no, the boy... And she's... Yeah. Because you were wondering, hey, what, what's what's she doing? Yeah. Why did she stop? And the, the characters themselves make a make a point to say, what's she up to? Why didn't she you know, just get on with it? Yeah, because why would they know? Because... Yeah. And I guess this is when the rewatching this uh, will make sense because I think that's when she realized... That's her actual child. Yeah. That's her biological child. That's why she was devastated when he was burned. Yeah, she because, was. I remember that. Yeah. And it's not just a kind of empathy, maternal instinct kind of thing. It's that it's literally her child. That's the tethered child. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense. I think yeah, the, I the, the, the wrench in this is that how can the tethered boy learn language, normal language, you know, within a year I or think, two years I or think, whatever? Yeah, I think there's something to that idea because the last scene with the family, those two are sharing a, like a significant look with each other. Do you yes. know that? Yeah. yeah. And the boy was fine with her being... The actual tethered version. Yeah, and also, you know, before even the tethered show up, that boy is wearing a mask all the time. Yes. And that kind of, the mask implicitly implicitly suggests deception. Yeah. Deception on the audience. That, yeah. You know, and that and she, and he obviously at the end decides to, to do something. Decides to put the mask back, back on. on. So, you like, know? he's continuing with the... Signifying with the that he's okay with the lie. I really I really like that idea. It's, it's a cool. great idea. Yeah. It's a great theory. It fits perfectly in my head. Yeah. And also, m- most crucially, it doesn't um, break the character of the boy to me. No, 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 no. It, no. it, 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 makes it actually makes me empathize with the tethered the switched tethered boy even more yeah N- not the monster version but like the the uh, the one that we follow yeah yeah for because sure. um you understand why he loves this new life yeah and it works it, yeah. it works so well the film kind of localizes this event to like america specifically right like it's, yes it's america it's not global and it, you kind of think how many other like families have these switcheroos kind of going on, you know, and they're not aware of it. Uh, it's sort of it's sort of interesting to think about, even though the film doesn't go there. Yeah, it, yeah. Even though it falls apart because you're obviously this whole thing at its this whole premise falls apart because when you pull you ask the question of if they have to they, if they are doomed to a life of mimicking their original selves mindlessly mm-hmm. how did they organize a campaign of hands across america yeah and how did they then go up and murder their their own selves i don't even know if the f- 
film even really I don't even know why they're murdering I I don't I don't think the movie the movie doesn't really explain um how they were able to break out of it what by if, knowing yeah. that she is special What do you think of the uh the red and the scissors kind of look uh, I, I I like it. It's it's cool. Yeah. Um, interesting that they picked red because it evokes um, the Handmaid's Tale a little bit, which obviously yeah. stars Elizabeth Moss. And those who is they're also oppressed, in right? In the show, the, the they women. are oppressed. Yeah. Yes, they are property. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, so, and speaking of Elizabeth Moss, oh yes, the brief uh, uh, moments she gets in this film. Is mind blowing. Fantastic. She just every everything that she's in, she really just like proves to you how versatile and magnetic of an actress she is. There are parts of this movie I'll like rewatch on YouTube, and one of the parts I'll rewatch the most is when tethered Elizabeth murdering people and trying on makeup for like the first time. Yes. And you get it's kind of tragic because you're seeing she's getting a sense of like what she could be outside of what she's known. Yeah. She's getting a taste of it. Yeah. She has this like look of childlike joy, but it looks fucking creepy because obviously she's a, she's a monster. Yeah. It's such a perfectly executed sequence, perfectly acted, perfectly directed yeah. because what also tells you that something is off is that she uses, I think nail polish as lipstick. Yeah, yeah she does. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like you said, it, it is almost that kind of, childlike wonder of oh this is a world i could live in yeah i could like look different yeah and um the it's also kind of um interesting that she doesn't try to kill adelaide outright even though she's there that's right yeah she um which almost made me think oh does she see her as her friend does she know she's tethered Yeah. yeah and um you know which is interesting and and also, one of the most, like one of uh, an image that's seared into my seared into my brain is that scene where she hears the two Winston Dukes fighting outside. Yeah, and she looks out the window. This is Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, and she screams. Well, she looks like she's screaming, but there's no sound coming That's out. That's right, yeah. And then she laughs, and yeah. there's no sound coming out. Yeah. Oh, that, that was a freaky scene. It was. I think she actually scared me the most in this movie. I agree. And I, I really thought it was a great shame that she just kind of got killed off really quickly. Yes. Because he had a really good thing there with Elizabeth yeah, Moss in it. they I, did. It was, I don't know, I felt, I wish he had... Because I, I guess when he was writing it, who knew he would get fucking Elizabeth Moss to be that good? <laughs> you know? I, yeah. Uh, yeah, but oh my God, she was definitely one of the most enjoyable parts of the movie. Yeah. For me. Definitely. Um, I think I told you, like, after the movie was done, that scene where she puts on the nail polish, I was thinking, you know, wow, what if there was like a, a gender-bending Joker movie or something and she played the Joker? Like, that that would be incredible. She would make a great Joker. She would. I, I think she'd be amazing. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I really want to see the Wakeen Phoenix one, but holy fuck, I mean, I would, I'd watch the Elizabeth Moss one too. Oh, yeah, someone give her, like, a crazy villain to play. Dude, they should, for real. She's, yeah. She can do it easily, yeah. we've seen. Yeah. Just in, the, like, a minute from this movie. Yeah. You know? It's hard to um, 
kind of really sum up this movie you know i think i'm still thinking about it uh you know you almost think am i missing something from this movie yeah but then you know the more i think about it the more i think you know what no it's not up to me to make sense of the nonsensical well uh, this is a point that i wanted to tell you what is the difference between a film with like real ambiguity and a film where a director throws these ideas on screen and is just like, you come up with stuff. There is a difference, and I can't explain the difference, but this is definitely the latter. Yes. <laughs> that's that's my basic kind of summation of, of this movie outside yes. of the very enjoyable qualities I, to it. I think the difference is mm-hmm. I, uh, this movie isn't really trying to be ambiguous. This movie, in some ways, no, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's very, like, like we say, it's blunt in its themes. Yeah, so it's just going... Here's what it is. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and then yeah. you're like, okay, sure, I'll think about it. Yeah. And then wait a minute. Yeah. That's not what I just witnessed. Yeah. You know, that's not what I saw. Yeah. You know, that that's what it is. It, true ambiguity, it's just kind of you decide. We're not even gonna say what this is. Like maybe like two thousand and one, that like that has some would you say that has some true ambiguity to it? To, yes. Yeah. Yes. That because that's also like a very, it that that film also has a lot of it's weird to compare them, but that film also has a lot of ideas, mm-hmm. like a lot, but that seems to make more sense to me than this. So let's let's also talk about you know Stan uh, Stanley Kubrick, yeah. which is uh you know this movie is and Jordan Peele himself is obviously heavily influenced by some Kubrick. of those, these overhead shots reminded me of like The Shining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even uh, the opening title sequence reminds me of the the green opening sequence of The Shining, where the the typeface is. Yeah. Like oh, that. good point. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that the room number is in this movie somewhere as an Easter egg. Oh, yeah. I don't doubt it. <laughs> and um, something like The Shining is ambiguous uh, in a sense of, you know, what are its themes? You know, like no one says it. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's it's ambiguous in that sense. It's um, I think that that's a perfect um, kind of comparison because we don't really know what the hotel is you know yeah. what the spirit no one, no of one the ever hotel. explains what it is yeah what yeah. the being is yeah no one really uh uh you know aside from the uh, the african-american housekeeper says you have the shining you know yeah, like exactly, okay yeah. that's great aside from that no one gives you details enough to for you to poke holes in it well no one in the shining <laughs> is saying where the shining you know so yeah it's it's, it's fundamentally <laughs> yeah. different in that kind of way the hotel doesn't like type out like this is my deal yeah yeah it's not half that and half this is my deal yeah which is what us i think kind of feels like yeah so yeah. uh i think at that most surface level uh jordan peele is trying to be like the next kubrick right in, in yeah. a sense they might be trying similar things but the way that the shining is composed the ambiguity is empowering yeah to the audience yeah the, the ambiguity is uh, uh, spurs you on and, and exp- expands your imagination. Yeah. Whereas the quote-unquote ambiguity in this movie or the mystery in this movie boxes you in, in a way, yeah. or forces you into a rabbit hole where all you have to look at is to pick apart the potholes. Yeah, that's what I mean by thinking about the ideas in this movie feels like hitting dead ends. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
for sure. But um, would okay. I got a question for you for this. Uh, okay. Ultimately, say, would you recommend this movie? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Despite my complaints, watch it. Yeah, yeah. Of course, watch it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's enjoyable. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, it is. The, um, the comedy. We haven't even talked about the comedy, but the comedy is pretty fucking good in this movie too, without um disturbing the, you know, the tone of dread. Yes. As well. I would say that despite all its flaws, us actually finds that balance between horror and comedy much better than uh, Get Out did. Yeah, Get Out was um, like much more into comedy, I feel like. Oh, really? I, I yeah. thought that Get Out um, tries hard to compartmentalize the comedy and the uh, horror. And when it's horror, it's horror. When it's comedy, that's it's good, comedy. Yeah, that's a good point. So 80% of the comedy scenes in Get Out is all uh, about the TSA guy. The, his friend, right? Yeah, his yeah, yeah. friend. Yeah. So um, whereas in this movie, it blends perfectly together. It can be both at the same time. Yeah, I'm, the one I most is, think about is when the girl's like, nobody cares about your boat, Dad, when they're being like held hostage and he yes. offers the boat. Yeah, that was a brilliant moment. There was also that moment where they were getting weapons and, and the daughter picks up like a golf club or something and yeah. the brother picks up, I don't even know, like some kind of statue or lamp or trophy <laughs> and she just rolls her eyes like, yeah. why did you pick that? Yeah. Um, also props to the kids yeah. for this. Like I, I usually don't like kids in movies, but they were not just kids, but they had to be like evil kids as well. You know, they, they yeah. double the yeah. kind of pressure. Yeah. The performances are great. Yeah. Not a weak, if there's a weak link, it's Winston Duke and he's still really good. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. The kids are really good. The boy, I think, is a really good subtle actor as yeah. well in terms of conveying that that fear and that mixed feelings. I think if you rewatch this film, focus on the boy with this, uh, especially with this theory in yeah, mind, because yeah, for sure. it makes a lot of sense how how he reacts to, to things. Because even from the beginning, he seems almost fine with it. Yeah. He seems almost he's like, the least cool disturbed, with it. yeah, and he, least surprised, yeah, exactly. So, and and he is the one that says it's us, yeah. So I think there's something there to this theory. Yeah, no, no, it makes sense to me, that theory. Yeah. I mean, I don't... To me, it doesn't appreciably improve the movie, but... It it's, doesn't. It's definitely interesting. Yeah. And that kind of adds to my feeling that this movie, if I had to sum it up, it, it's like a very interesting miss yeah. of it, a movie. That's, yeah, that's interesting because it, the twist, however interesting, doesn't make the movie better. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly, yeah. That, that kind of a whole movie in a nutshell. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, that's cool, but it doesn't make it better like, yeah in a it, it's way. kind of like if you're gonna give me uh raisins instead of chocolate chip i'm gonna try and enjoy the the raisin yeah the best i can and i think that's how you can do it with this movie i think it's just the fundamental problem of like theme and plot not quite syncing up in a elegant way yes i agree yeah um i want to quickly talk about this uh, movie called upstream color the water before you is somehow special. It is better than anything you've ever tasted. Each drink is better than the last. Take a drink now. 
Yes, yeah, um, tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, that this movie kind of reminds me of, or or at least the central mystery of this film uh, reminds me a little bit of this um, lo-fi sci-fi yeah. movie, this really indie um, science fiction movie directed by uh, Shane Carruth, who directed a, a time travel movie called Primer before one, before yeah. Upstream Color. And that was his debut film. I think he's a physicist. So yeah. he, how he directed Primer, which is about tra- time travel. That's is, a really like complicated one. Yeah, it's yeah, very complicated. The, yeah. Speaking of ambiguity, <laughs> you don't even know. Nothing gets explained to you. Yeah. And you're dropped into, you know, it's kind of like you're the fly on the wall that's dropped there. So with Primer, it's more about, you know, what if we do tra- time travel in a very, very scientific, like almost dry way. way? Yeah, plausible way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was really low budget. And then he gets a little bit more money for his next movie, which is called Upstream Color, where he also stars uh, in the movie. Uh, and it's about uh, this couple whose lives are somehow tethered to pigs in this distant farm um, somewhere in America, yeah. where... What they do, it's echoed by the pigs, or what the pigs do is echoed um, by them. Holy shit, this does seem very similar in It's very similar in its ideas. And I think that if you enjoy, like if some part part of you is let down by um, how it resolves its central theme and mystery... Uh, I would suggest watch Upstream Color because I think you might enjoy that more. Uh, I think it does, it explores that idea in its kind of purest form better than Us does. Obviously, Us has a lot more on its mind than solely focusing on that tethered nature of the story. But watch Upstream Color, underrated movie. I saw a poster for that like a few years ago. And um, the poster really intrigues me because it seemed like this uh, fully dressed couple holding each other in like a bathtub. Yes. And I thought, oh, that's like a, it's like a striking kind of specific image. Yeah. I, I wonder what what's going on here. I always meant to see it, but I didn't. But I would like. I would, thanks for reminding me of that actually, because when they like remove those posters, I kind of forgot about the movie. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it looks. I've heard good reviews for it too. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it's quite good. Shane Carruth is kind of hailed as. David Lynch meets uh, Kubrick or something like that. Very flattering. You know, um, he's kind of that um, mystery auteur, you know, that only surfaces every few years to do a movie and might be destined to not do another movie. You know, that kind of thing. Like he's like, Like they they make the movie, but it has to be completely under really specific circumstances yes. that they can make the movie like they yeah. won't compromise what they're doing at all exactly and yeah. I, yeah with the with the two movies he did he writes he writes the script he um he's the director and he does the sound design for the movie and stars in it <laughs> that's a handcrafted movie yeah <laughs> that's, that's that's beyond what you shit. yeah <laughs> yeah I guess that's uh, that's all we have to say yeah. about us. Yeah, I would um I would you know recommend it too. Like if nothing else, I yeah you know it's it's fun while you're watching it, and there are laughs and there are thrills and there are this great music and acting. Yes, it's it's kind of dazzling. Yeah, it's just you know if if you don't really want to think about a movie too much after you've seen it. Yeah, like uh, go definitely go see us. I think if you want to treat this as a normal um, 
a bloom house film like a happy death day <laughs> you're actually gonna get a lot out of it oh yeah for sure um yeah. and even if intellectually it doesn't quite gel well in terms of and how it presents its themes mm-hmm. thinking about that i think is still interesting and talking about yeah. how it falls flat or uh, or disagreeing about whether it uh excelled in in conveying its ideas is worth watching the movie for yeah because I mean, particularly with this one where you have to kind of really think about why something didn't resonate with you. It's not quite as obvious at first. Mm-hmm. I think it's valuable because then you think of other films that work for you and maybe you'll think more about why that resonates and why this didn't. And you can appreciate the films that resonate with you even more because, you know, you're thinking about it at a deeper level. Exactly. So even in a kind of bizarro way, this this film is it's quite something, you know, to see. Yeah. For sure. But still, I'd, I'd still stick by my three star out of five. <laughs> right, down that, right down that middle of the road. Yeah. But um, I'm curious to see what he does next now. Like, does does he get, like, more out there and does he become the next kind of Shyamalan where he, like, crawls, oh, no. crawls more and more up his, you know, orifice? Or does does he kind of change tack? I don't know. I, I, I am still really kind of excited to see what what he does next because this film has had an interesting reaction in that um you know the the critic score for this has been really good uh-huh but the you know the cinema score which grades what people kind of think of a movie when they walk out right yeah when they walk yeah. out this got like a b which doesn't that's okay which doesn't sound bad but it's actually quite like bad because most films of this kind of level get people a-. are generous yeah yeah, they yeah. Get an a-. especially a. with horror yeah yeah oh with horror they could actually that's a good point because hereditary got a d plus which makes sense score. which makes sense for hereditary because if you i think if you pal- like if you have a palatable like the conjuring i'm sure had like an a minus right oh yeah because hereditary is not a crowd pleasing yeah of that's what yeah, i mean that's true that's yeah. what i mean so i think a b makes uh, some sense it means there's like some polarization in yeah. the reaction to this i think like yeah some people really didn't like it and some people really liked it that's what this kind of tells me where i'm sure get out got like an a or a plus or something like that hmm. so yeah i'm i really want to know what what he does next and i want to check out the twilight zone i've i've heard that's pretty good i've heard some good th- i've actually also heard some bad things about it yeah i've heard a couple it's, of bad things mixed most, reviews most, mostly good i guess um okay but um, yeah, I guess I guess that's it. Uh, I guess I'll turn to the listeners. Yeah. What do you guys think of us? Um, let us know your thoughts at spoilernationpodcast at gmail dot com. Yeah. And uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. And until next time, boy. Travel. The pets are gone.